Rebels, you're listening to my free audio-only recording of my show, The Gun Show. My guest tonight is Robbie Picard from Oil Sands Strong. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you will love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Our subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to therebel.media slash shows to become a member. And please, leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support The Rebel without ever having to spend a dime. And now... Please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. You are listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Kinder Morgan's Trans Mountain Pipeline Project has been approved one more time, but the Liberals also say we're in a climate emergency and they've instituted an oil tanker ban. I think the Liberals are pushing and pulling to try to stave off the Conservatives in the 2019 federal election. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. these concerns environmentally changed your own behavior okay um well first of all like i um i've always used tap water i don't i've always thought bottled water was sort of stupid so that's tough thing but if i could just respond to a little bit of what she says i come from a community that has been attacked over and over again because of the oil sands Mm -hmm. the word tar sands which is used all the time in a derogatory way dirty oil blood oil and I watch a lot of these environmentalists not practice what they preach. In other words, flying over the world. One, one environmentalist that I know has been to Europe 13 times, and that's just Europe, and bragging about how she's saving the world but done absolutely nothing herself. Um, I'm very concerned. I was actually watching about the Green New Deal, and I, I saw Ariel Derange, and uh, she's one of the people who helped write the Green New Deal, and she says that there's tons of holes in it, and this is coming from somebody. The Green New Deal terrifies me because there's all this fear, and. This war on fossil fuels, I think, is stupid. There's, it doesn't matter what type of energy. Okay, you have. but you we, are having, a, we are having we are having a debate here, and I, I think we like I think you both made very good points about the pipeline and about um, you know some of the policies that are in place. But I do want to hear from you guys just about your daily lives because you know we're we tap have water. voters out there. You've got the tap water. That was CBC completely underestimating my friend Robbie Picard from Oil Sand Strong. They did it in real time by putting him on a Sunday panel with the CBC's experts on climate change and Canadian oil and gas policy. One of CBC's experts is a musician based in Toronto who started off the show by describing herself as being the same age as the climate crisis and who compassionately musician-splained to us Albertans that the rest of the country, like her Torontonian cohorts, can just help us get off the fossil fuels the way they have, I guess. And the other fellow on the panel was a student in Halifax who looks like he probably needed to do a load of laundry and says that he tries to recycle because smarter environmentalists than him told him to. 
The whole interview is 11 minutes long. It's on the CBC website if you want to see the whole thing, and I recommend that you do. It's sort of fun to watch Robbie Picard roll those two know-nothings up in a rug and <laughs> toss them in the ditch. But if you are an empathetic person, you'll start to feel bad for them about halfway through the interview. That is, until you remember, like I did, how these two want all of us unemployed or working on the wind farms of the future. So that's a fun little bit, but there's a lot going on in energy politics in Canada right now. Jason Kenney has announced the war room to debunk some of the misinformation floating around out there about Canada's ethical oil and gas industry. But Canada's Environment Minister Old Yeller Catherine McKenna has shrieked her way into convincing the House of Commons that Canada is in some sort of climate emergency and Justin Trudeau has approved the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project one more time, just in time to try to save his ass in advance of the next federal election. So joining me today is the only knowledgeable person on that CBC Sunday panel, my friend Robbie Picard in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon. Now to talk about all the new developments, good and bad, on the energy and energy politics front is my friend Robbie Picard in Fort McMurray. Hey, Robbie, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, as always. Now, I wanted to talk about something that was a little bit exciting for you personally and me peripherally because I was excited for you, and that was that you introduced the Jason Kenney Energy War Room. Uh, can you give us a brief um, synopsis of what that was like for you and uh, what exactly the War Room is supposed to do? So it was um, it was a great honour to be asked to open for our premiere. Um, I quite enjoyed doing it. Um, I wanted to... <clears throat> I wanted to be authentic and also direct. I wanted to um, kind of echo the sentiment that's been going on in Fort McMurray and in my community. At the same time, um, as far as how it, what it is, I, I still don't know. I'm not uh, part of the war room at this moment, um, and I don't I don't know anything other than what I experienced there. And what I experienced there was a, uh, a mass amount of people that were part of different organizations that we all shared the common goal and the same frustration about what's been happening to our energy sector. And that was really nice to see. And it wasn't, I mean, there was some corporate stuff there, uh, but it was a lot of really grassroots organizations like myself that have been fighting and fighting and fighting. So considering I'm kind of like the OG in that, it felt good. And 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 we felt hope for the first time in a very long time. It, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't a negative feeling. It was like, wow, finally we, we can actually get somewhere in regards to this battle that we're fighting. Now, from what I understand, the Energy War Room, a lot of what they are going to do um, will involve debunking some of the, I wouldn't even say they're common misconceptions, but the more pervasive misconceptions um, that people who oppose pipelines and energy development hold. 
um, you know, with regard to what happens on the ground in Fort McMurray and what happens when you build a pipeline and what happens on a drilling rig. I, I think it'll be um, a, a battleground of information um, to deal with some of the disinformation on the other side. I think this is good and long overdue, but you got a lot of blowback for the tone you took um, when you announced Jason Kenny, and I think it is completely undeserved. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did. I got a little bit of blowback because I held up, um, I held up a poster with Sapporo Berman's face on it, and it said "Sapporo Berm <laughs> Berman, enemy of the oil sands." But I, I was actually kind of thinking about that after. And um, Shadowing Magazine said that she was the, the biggest enemy of oil. So, I mean, like, this is not nothing new for Sephora Berman to be called enemy of oil and gas. I mean, that, that's kind of how she's made her substantial living over the past 15, how many years? So, um, no, I, I think... Let me just interrupt you there. I think she would probably describe herself as that. Yeah, well, that's it. It wasn't that much of a stretch. I, I uh, you know, I... My point of talk, she's a public figure. She was on the Oil Sands Advisory Committee. And other than, I think her and that Karen lady, uh, Karen they Moore. were very, yeah, they were very actively against the pipeline while they were on the Oil Sands Advisory Committee. And that, that to me, you know, it's not, I know a lot of people on that committee and, and I don't agree with all of them, but you never see me attack them because you know, they, they were, they did their job and I think they did it with integrity. I questioned Berman's integrity on that and many other issues. Yeah. I mean, Sephora Berman was sitting on the oil sands advisory group, you know, sitting there to decide the fate of the oil sands, including an emissions cap that would essentially act as leave it in the ground legislation while simultaneously organi organizing against Trans Mountain on the ground in British Columbia. So she's being paid by Alberta and organizing against us in British Columbia. And I think you're right to call her out. I think part of the problem, or I shouldn't say problem, but I think some of the blowback you got, and you didn't get blowback from normal people, um, anybody concerned with Alberta's economy, you got blowback from activists and activist journalist types. I mm. think some of that is because they made the connection between Berman sitting on the oil sands advisory group and the fact that Rachel Notley hired her to sit on the oil sands advisory group. And they saw that as an attack on Rachel Notley, uh, someone that a lot of these people are still very loyal to. So I don't think it was about you. You didn't say anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. What you did was absolutely the truth of the matter. And um, But I think those people who were upset for you making that point, um, it, it's because it, it really had nothing to do with you. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that um, Berman really was a proxy for Rachel Notley's energy policy for four years. So what I... I find I find this kind of funny because uh, there's people that when not when not when Nolly was premier, I was very nonpartisan, mm -hmm. and I took a lot of heat on my pages when Nolly did something that I thought was in support of oil sands or oil and gas. I shared it, and I still do. So my my message to them is real simple: is that if you want to be angry at someone, be angry at support of Berman. I mean, she, in my opinion, betrayed them. And if you wanted to play that argument, like, I mean, 
what did she notley asked for a few small things from the environmentalists like mike edema and sapora berman and they didn't give an inch and you know and everyone said they'll never give an inch they'll never give an inch there's no such thing as social license and berman proved that to be accurate i mean notley put her in a position that she never would have got ever in the history of alberta and she couldn't just let us have one pipeline so that tells you something. So their, their anger is definitely misdirected. And candidly, some of the, like, I mean, the way they, some of them were attacking me, it blew me away because when Nolly was premier, they were praising me for saying the same thing. I went after Sapporo Berman um, for months. I went after Sapporo Berman while I was standing on the legislature with the NDP on my right and the conservatives on my left. So candidly, I mean, um, I'm not sure what their issue is, but I am getting tired of a lot of a lot of people in Alberta who are against oil and gas, but somehow still make a fortune talking about it. Isn't that the truth? I wonder what Sapporo Berman's speaking fees are these days. Um, now, I wanted to ask you um, about some other energy news. Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain Pipeline project has been approved one more time. I think this is the second time. I wonder if it'll take three times before there actually ends up a shovel in the ground. Now, the Liberals say that um, they should be breaking ground this summer, but they said we should be breaking ground a couple summers ago. Uh, Give me your honest assessment. Do you think this pipeline will get built under the Liberals, or was this re-announcement of the Trans Mountain Pipeline approval, uh, just politicking in the lead up to an election when the Liberals are behind in the polls. Did I stomp you? Uh, no, I, but I, I need to. I, I need to actually think about what I'm going to say because I'm, I'm finding myself in such an interesting position right now because, look, we need this pipeline. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is bigger than a temporary time in our, on our political history, because politics will constantly change. This, this is a nation building thing. And it's honestly, it's our last shot. Yeah. So I, if we don't get this pipeline, well, then you'll see a whole new Canada. And from what I'm hearing from people that, uh, business people here in Alberta that I know, uh, there, the, uh, no one's happy, and there's people talking about separating. There's people talking about um, joining the states, and I hope, you know, and I'm praying that we all put our differences aside and just get this pipeline built. It's twinning an existing pipeline that will benefit all of us. And I think once the pipeline's built, it'll um, it'll make our. I think I think if once it actually builds and starts flowing oil, um, I think you'll see a lot of Canadians like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. And then you'll see uh, commerce come back. I, I, I can't, I mean, my activism has been very nonpartisan and, and not like, I'm not perfect at it. I like, I, I mean, I, I can't stand Elizabeth May or uh, that <laughs> and, the, the new NDP leader guy and I'll go after them. But for the most part, I've been very, very good at being nonpartisan. So I, I'm, I'm so, I, I'm just a pipeline um, advocate and I want to see this pipeline get built and I'm willing to work with anyone. So I hope that it was more than just for the votes. Um, I'm, I'm blown away that we don't, we don't, we can't see eye to eye on this, on this project. So I'm hoping that it uh, gets built and I'm hoping that the rest of Canada wakes up to that. 
here's why I think it's just shameless politicking. And I think it's really egregious that um, the liberals, in my opinion, are selling hundreds of thousands of people on false hope just for elections purposes. Um, I, I guess it has to do with just a couple days before they declare a climate emergency. Um, and then a couple days after, um, the founder of Equitaire, so a Tides-funded uh, anti-oil sands lobbyist, was um, nominated as a Liberal candidate in Quebec. So um, I think while there's a lot of talk happening, I think the Liberals' actions speak a lot louder than their words. And at the end of the day, I feel like this is probably just going to get tied up in court again. Um, at that end, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was... Uh, you know, the, one of the reasons I don't think the Liberals are all too serious about actually building uh, Trans Mountain is that then they also passed Bill C-69 and C-48. So that's the tanker ban and basically turfing the NEB in favor of some sort of social justice rules for pipelines. <sighs> Sorry, depressing, I know. <laughs> I know. So... I'm hopeful of one small thing, and I've been thinking about this a lot, how to approach it, um, what to do, what not to do, what to say. I'm hoping that once the Trans Mountain Pipeline gets built, that they will have a change of heart and they'll understand that they need the revenue from that pipeline and they reverse those two decisions. I think, you know, if you look at the Code Access Pipeline, and I mean, like you want to talk about plastic pollution. I mean, look at the sewer those environmentalists left over there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was plastic, garbage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, but fast forward, the garbage has been cleaned up by oil workers. And, um, and the pipeline, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's flowing oil and they're making money. And I would argue that pipelines have very low climate impact. Technology is getting better all the time for less emissions. Um, there is no green energy. Every form of energy has a cost and a consequence from windmills to solar, solar in particular. They, I mean, all these environmentalists and human rights activists don't care about little children that are mining earth metals, trying to build batteries for their cars and stuff. So, I mean, I really hope we collectively grow up and, I did a, I did a, um, I did an interview on CBC the other day, and um... I was just going to ask you about <laughs> that. Oh God, you know it was an axe murdering, and um, it wasn't fair <laughs> putting you on the panel with those kids. Anyways, go on. <laughs> um, okay, so my what I learned from that though, and, and um, I, like I mean, I, I um, yes, I was expecting, I was expecting to go someone like Sapor Berman, and I, I didn't. And that's fine. But what I, what I was blown away is the, the, the young guy that I was talking to. And I'm going to blame our generation for something. Um, so I'm not going to say millennials, but I'm going to say, like, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm up there. So 20 years younger than me. Uh, I'm 41 years old. So 20 years younger than me. And, and, and the people that my age had kids kind of in their, in their younger time, they, we really screwed up our kids in a lot of ways. Because when he said, like, well, you know, I'm not doing enough and I need to do more and I'm thinking of giving up bottled water. It made me really think like, you don't know what it's like to go, like you actually think going to Costco and buying a case of water is normal. And we raised that our kids this way, like that there was no, like, I mean, bottled water, I think you were telling me this too, or, or something, yeah. that was for rich people. You yeah. know what I mean? 
And I, I don't drink bottled water often. I'm not going to say like I'm at an event. I don't, but I don't buy it. I drink tap water with a lot of lemon. Yeah. I am guilty of like, I like bubble water. So like I will buy like, um, you know, Perrier or whatever. But as a rule, I don't buy heaps of bottled water. To me, that is such a waste. You can filter it. You can put a lemon in it. And it comes from the same source. But we have these, this generation now that they're kind of clueless about everything. They think that they don't understand how food comes. They don't understand there's an impact to everything. So, like, you, you, they have this notion that they can somehow fix all the problems by boycotting this and boycotting that. But when it comes to the things about survival, like steel and you need plastic no matter what, plastic is never going to go away. Um, and I would argue the plastic in the, in the ocean it's not from us. I mean, I just did, I've been doing all these videos on pipeline videos because they're so scary. And I go to these pipelines and the other day I was at a pipeline and I found one piece of plastic, one. And I was even scared to pan, oh no. And, and you go to these other countries that don't have fossil fuels, don't have natural gas, don't have a stable energy source from fossil fuels. And the, the garbage is pouring into their waterways. They, so they're not, this, this plastic problem is not, I mean, I'm not saying that we don't contribute to it, but it's so easy to solve by people changing their behavior. And I, I, I'm, I really think we, like, if we don't all grow up soon and learn that we have to figure out how to work together, we, we're going to destroy what we have. And, and society right now is pretty good. It's pretty good life that we live, all of us. As bad as we think we have that kid at Halifax University, I mean, he's his biggest scare in life is like, oh... Do I drink bottled water or do I have to go for tap water? I mean, the fact that that's a problem. I mean, there's countries that don't have any access to clean water at all. There's countries that have to have bottled water to survive because there's so much pollution because they don't have proper sewage. I mean, I, I was just reading too about like, um, if you throw a little bit of sewage in the ocean, it's not the end of the world. But uh, Victoria, they, they, they don't, I don't think they have a water filtration system and they dump all of their raw sewage in the ocean over and over again. That is a massive amount of impact of all kinds of disease like birth control and, and shit and all the other stuff that goes in there. And we're, we're, we have potential to really solve each other's problems if we work together and we're fighting over something that really doesn't make a difference. You could shut off Canada's oil and gas tomorrow and it would make no dent, no dent in what happens to the rest of the world because China and India and the United States' emissions are so much more than ours. But what it would do is it will destroy our economy. It will destroy our democracy. And, yes, it's really great when governments are running deficits and they temporarily boost the economies, but eventually that catches up. So this generation that doesn't understand that water comes out of a tap is going to really pay a price if we don't treat all of our energy with some urgency and importance that it deserves sorry no that's great um yeah going back to that um comically um i i mean it was it the panel was comical for sure um at one point though when i was watching that panel that you were on on the cbc i did have to stop it because i felt like it was going too poorly for the, for the, people that were on the panel with you I felt a little bad um but then I remembered that they want to put my family out of work your family out of work um they want to shutter Fort McMurray and then I didn't feel so bad but I mean they these young 
I mean, it really is the younger generation, but they have been led astray by our generation um, that, I mean, they hear things like the Green New Deal and immediately adopt it as a good idea because it has a good title. But as you evidenced in that panel discussion that you did with the CBC, a lot of these people have never even read it. Um, And I think that's one of the great things about our side of the pipeline debate is, look, we're reading our material, we're reading the facts, we're reading their stuff too, and they aren't really reading anything. Well, you know, and that that surprised me because I, I wanted to delve into that because I've been I've been um, I've been studying the Green New Deal and I watch all of their Facebook lives that they do, and there's so many holes in it. They're infighting amongst each other. It's based on this based on this system that they don't agree on and um, it's full of holes and flaws. And one guy's like, you know what? I only want to work three days a week. I don't want to have an overproductive lifestyle. And that's why I support the green new deal. And you know what? Hats off to you, buddy. If you, if you like, if, and I'm not totally against that. If you want to find yeah, a cheap way to being live, honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to find a cheap way to live and you don't need to hustle, like I have to hustle. I work yeah. every day. I, when I take days off, I burn. It's when I burn out and I literally can't move. That happens. So, but that's my choice. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what I love about our society. Like, I mean, realistically, if you don't want to work a whole time, you really don't have to. And if you want to work a lot, you can have a lot. And what 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 it really is? It, it, it's not. I don't think it has anything to do about climate change. It has to. It's this waiting to push this bizarre type of socialism. And I don't think people understand what that means. Like, they think everyone's going to have free everything. For a bit, sure. But what happens is, is the smarter people, uh, and, and not even smarter, people that are more privileged, like trust fund babies, people that get put in these positions and so on, they'll end up being in control. And they live really good lives. And everyone else sort of becomes their worker bee. And it's a trap. And so, like, I mean, the Green New Deal to me is not about tons and tons of solar panels, but boring a ton of money to reconfigure the whole country for socialism. And, and if you look at OA, um, AOC, and I mean, and I'll give her some credit, she's got some good sound bites. But if you, if you watch a whole, if you watch a whole interview with her, I think she'll be a really good politician when she grows up 10 or 15 years from now. But I don't think she really knows very much about anything. And it's scary to me that that's the role models. Cause like, I don't remember like when I was younger, I always try to find role models that are far more intelligent than me, successful, not some glorified person that has very little experience. And I'm not going to knock her experience as a cocktail waitress or a bartender. Yes, you can be a cocktail waitress or a bartender and become prime minister or a, a part-time substitute teacher. It's been done, <laughs> but is that the right choice? Like, like, let's let's compare Justin Trudeau to Mark Garneau. I met both of them. Okay, Mark Garneau, educated astronaut, experience, wealth, uh, Trudeau, wealth, trust fund, good looking, famous name. Now, but boiled right down to figuring out what, like, I mean, it, it's it sucks because dynamic people tend to get elected. Like, I mean, Stephen Harper, one of the greatest prime ministers. In my lifetime, I also think John Cretchen was a great prime minister. And I like Paul Martin. It's too bad the infighting of Paul Martin and John Cretchen destroyed them. But that being said, Stephen Harper, I mean, he's, he's not, he's, even in his new Prager videos, I mean, they're great, but he's, he lacks a lot of charis- charisma. You know what I mean? But what's up here? What's the mind that determines 
how policy should work for everybody that understands that it that you know an emotional intelligence is great but that doesn't build the systems that we require for society to be equal and and um to, to have prosperity for everybody so these kids that looking at this green new deal they really gotta like they gotta step back a little bit and realize that this is not the answer second of all you know this so-called green energy i mean it's destroying a lot of countries a lot of countries are going back to coal like yeah. there's a lot it, it, it's not really working overall it works in some situations but don't rip apart we we, we are honestly we, we we if we actually grew up in canada and i and i'm con i don't think we're very we have a lot of great ideas and we're and we're more polite than the states but if we could grow up we have what 36 million people the most resources, second largest country in the world with landmass. And for the most part, we all get along. If we could just say, hey, you know what? There's enough for everybody. Let's stop fighting all the time and build an amazing country. Well, we'd have more money than anyone else. But we just don't, I don't know what it is. Um, sorry, in regards to the war room, I do think we need a public inquiry. Mm. <laughs> sorry what <laughs> no 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 I think that's great um I do think we do we need an examination into exactly what sorts of foreign monies have been funneled um into Canada and then essentially used to target Alberta um no one has I won't I don't want to say no one um because under the uh Harper Conservatives, they did try to examine these charities, but Justin Trudeau squashed all those audits. Um, so it's nice to see that um, if if indeed the war room is interested in looking at this, that they can sort of circumvent um, the feds on this and do our own inquiries and investigations and see if we can find exactly where that money's coming from and why. Yeah, so like, um... My issue, like I, we all know what's been done. We know what happened with the Rockefeller Foundation. Yep. And to me, because they're arguing about the amount of money that was spent recently, and they're saying, well, they only spent a million last year. I don't care if they spent 500 million or a million. My point is, is they came up with a very destructive plan uh, called the Campaign Against the Tar Sands, which basically worked. Yep. So we know that now. Um, it, it's really pathetic that it took us so many years to respond to it. Yeah. Um, so I just want to know, like, it, even 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 if it doesn't stop, at least we know what we're up against, and that inquiry will bring all of that up. So then you'll know and you'll question. Well, wait a minute, this foundation is giving this person this much money, and she's off to New York again to talk about financing. I mean. One of the sad things is that I expose so much of them from their Facebook and social medias that they're posting less now. But that's the arrogance that we were dealing with. You know what I mean? Like it was yep. it was insane. Like uh, the amount like I've never seen anything like it. It's like they fly off to, you know, well, we're we're fighting climate change in Paris. Well, now we're in Australia. Oh, we're in Athens. Oh, boy, they don't they have bicycles here. Okay, well, you flew on a plane to get there, the cat island. Give your head a shake. You're not a climate warrior. Instagram, Instagram diva. Anyway, I'm trying to be more politically correct. That being said, it's like um, we sh that shouldn't. If it's if we can't stop it, then at least we should know about it. 
you know, um, I mean, Sapporo Berman being on the Oil Sands Advisory Committee be kind of like me being captain of the Rainbow Warrior. Although that would be sort of appropriate, you know, because I'm gay and it says rainbow <laughs> on it. So can, is, is that like a big gay cruise ship? I wonder. <laughs> Robbie, um, how can people support you? Because you do a lot of this activism that you do at Oil Sands Strong out of your own pocket. Um, yes. What are some of the ways that people can find you, support you, maybe get one of those super cool T-shirts um, to help you? do the work that you do on behalf of families like mine and hundreds of thousands of other Canadian families. So go to oilsandstrong.com and order some shirts. Order lots <laughs> of shirts too, because when you order one shirt for 20 bucks, it ends up costing more to ship it. So order like six shirts. And then um, and then watch what I'm doing on Facebook. We've got, I'm going to be doing a new web series uh, daily where I come on and I, I, I was calling it the Oil Sand Strong War Room, but now I think I'm going to change it. Uh, but I, I, I'm working on that. I think I'm going to start that next week. And um, you just uh, yeah, just follow 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 what we do or whatever. And um, but right now it's t-shirt sales. I might be doing like a Patreon or something in the near future. It's hard because like I, I run a marketing company too, so I'm trying to you know trying to find everything, to find find ways to make it all happen. But I, I am doing the best I can with what I have. Um, and going forward, if anything else, to share our post and. And understand too that my page has to be somewhat nonpartisan. So when I post yeah. something that the other side does, don't you know? Don't don't uh, don't lynch me. Just take it be a little bit be a little understanding that like my main focus is to get the pipeline built, and I and I and I do all all I can to get the message out. Great, Robbie. Thank you so much for being generous with your time uh, today, and thank you for like I said, going out there and just waging war for pipelines <laughs> on behalf of families like mine, um, because you do take a lot of heat for it. Um, and I don't just, I don't think you deserve a lot of the hate that you get. Um, and, uh, you know, you really do step into the fire every single day. So Robbie, thank you so much. Um, we'll, uh, have you back on the show as always. You're one of my favorite people on the entire face of the earth. Oh, thank you very much for having me on your show. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks Robbie. Some people might get a little uptight about Robbie going on the CBC. We know how biased the CBC is, but I think Robbie should do CBC appearances every time they contact him. He's out there fighting for us, but it's also important that he doesn't preach to the choir or try to waste his energy converting the already converted. I like that he gets inside the CBC echo chamber and shakes it up and he shows everybody just how knowledgeable and smart and thoughtful our side of the oil and gas argument really is. I think Robbie's a great ambassador for Alberta, even if it's on the CBC. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here at the same time in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.